Hi to my friends, welcome to today's episode of Forte Catholic. I'm so glad that you found us. Myself and Father Anthony have a great show for you here today. We start off the show by talking uh, about some, some pretty silly stories that happened to me, kind of at my expense. And then we talk about how a lot of us are pretty good at confessing. Like, we, we talk about confession on the show quite a bit. It's a big, you know, big thing for Catholics, you know, one of our sacraments. Um, but I don't think myself and I think a lot of us do the work of forsaking. The Bible asks us to confess and forsake our sins. So we talk a little bit about that in our first segment. And then we have a brand new segment for you in our second segment here of the show. Uh, it's called Plain Theology. We all know that, uh, especially in the modern day, that you know, popes, like, like for years, have been writing encyclicals and really doing deep theology there. But they also get asked questions like on planes or randomly on a bus or random questions they just get asked because they're the Pope and they don't have any preparation for. Uh, so we have a new segment called Plain Theology, where I ask Father Anthony the very pretty deep theological questions, some silly, some very deep, um, that he, I gave him absolutely no prep for and didn't tell him what we were talking about. So we get to see how good he is on his toes as we ask um, him some of these questions. We hope that you enjoyed today's show. If you do, please hit subscribe wherever you are listening or if you're watching on YouTube. That would be very, very kind for you to do here in the season of giving and hope. We would like for you to give us your subscribe click and that would bring some hope and joy into my life. So thank you and enjoy today's show. Catholic. I am Taylor Stroll. That is Father Anthony Sharapa. Hey, buddy. Hey, friend. It's yeah. You know, I am glad to be here because there's been a lot of uh, frustrating things happening in my life here recently. So I'm glad to oh, be talking fun. with you. Yeah. <laughs> Everything going. Everything's going perfectly on your end. Yes. 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 It's just <laughs> the time of year when apparently everything goes well. It's the most hateful time of the year. <laughs> it is the right now for me. Ooh. Anyway, what's what, what what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? I, in your I, brain. I your have uh, I have uh, I, I have ninety five theses of, of problems that I would like to share with you. And by ninety five, I mean about two. One. Sorry. Go ahead. Yes. <laughs> That was very, that was very good. Um, our Martin Luther turned Jay Z reference. <laughs> I mean, if that's not what the show is about, then I don't know. <laughs> what represents your show, Martin Luther and Jay Z? All right. <laughs> so oh, Forte Catholic, <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, so I was, uh, you know. This is coming out a little later, but this is the first time that I've been home since like the holidays, like like Thanksgiving holidays, right? Um, I know mm -hmm. we find ourselves here in the second the second week of Advent, but um, I you know anytime I have a good complaint, I need to share it on the show. Absolutely. Uh, so you know the you know t two years into a new liturgical season, I'm still complaining about last liturgical season. <laughs> <laughs> It's a new year, but not for me. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, uh, th this flashback to a year ago. A year ago, Taylor. Better person, worse person. I'm not sure which. What do you think? Oh, um, I don't know. Years are so, time is so weird. There was a time when you were not good, Taylor. Then you became better, Taylor. I'm not sure if this is when you were not good, Taylor, or working on your better, Taylor. Hard to remember. Somewhere. What do you think? There's probably somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah. I think it was right around the time that I started becoming myself again. Whether that's good yes. or bad, I'll let everybody else decide. <laughs> okay. So a uh, year ago, Taylor made the 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 poor decision to uh, travel the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, mm. which is, I learned very quickly, the most traveled day in America. Because like yeah. for Christmas, it's spread out and stuff, but most people, like myself, have, you know, Monday and Tuesday work and then Wednesday's travel day. So my yeah. parents live about two hours, two, uh, 2.15, 2.30 away. Last year, I was like, I, I'm, I, I didn't know that. I had a bunch of work to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning. I leave. That two-hour, two, that two 15-minute drive became six hours very quickly. Oh, oh, no. That's so, terrible. So I was thankful for absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. So this year, I was like, okay, I, I know now. So Monday and Tuesday, 
Monday, I work a little extra, thinking that Tuesday was going to be pretty easy. Um, and then we, we, the plan was to do all of my work Tuesday and then, you know, leave Tuesday afternoon and like kind of take the back roads. You know, we're going to improve our, our entire thing here. We're not going to take the road through Houston and we're going to leave on Tuesday night. So mm-hmm. I do all my work and very quickly realize that uh, I had more work Tuesday than I thought. Oh, so I'm working, 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 ended up working from like eight in the morning to like six at night. Which, like, isn't crazy for me, but the the amount, like, that's, like, no breaks, constantly staring at my computer, like, uh, recording this video here, editing it there, while another one is exporting, while another one is uploading. Like, the amount of crap I got done on Tuesday in order to not have to drive on Wednesday, like, yeah. I think it might be my most productive day ever. And people always say, like, oh, yeah, the day before you t- take a vacation is your most productive day. They, they've, they've never seen productivity. <laughs> until you saw me on tuesday before thanksgiving yeah so i finish up all my work um i get packed up it's about 6 15 6 30 uh it, it, yeah it's about 6 15 we drive we start we, we pack up the kids are all ready to go they've been ready all day because what do they have to do you know chris has been playing Fortnite probably for 10 hours while i'm not paying attention you know and yeah. so i i go and i need to fill up my gas my car with gas uh, get gas, and then mm-hmm. I go to uh, Walgreens to uh, to get my medicine, and then we're off. And I'm driving. So we left our house about 6.15. Th- okay. That stuff took about 15 minutes. Uh, and then I'm driving. I'm about 12 minutes from my house when a major wreck occurs in front of us. We're not involved in the wreck, but it's, you know, pretty close to in front of us where uh, – like we can't like you know we can't get off on the feeder road on the side roads yeah. right um so again why did i leave tuesday night so i didn't have to deal with wednesday traffic well mm-hmm. i spent uh the next hour and a half parked on a highway uh like parked parked like like you know there's like 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 traffic the year before it was like bumper to bumper and we're moving and you know yeah. people are coming in and out no 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 we like like parked as in like I laid my chair down like got out of the van. Other people are getting out of their cars. It's like you know, like you ever seen an apocalypse movie? It was that for an hour and yeah. a half. Um, yeah. I'm already stressed out. Like it's already a stressful day. Like you know, people kept coming into my into my office asking me questions. Like you know, people as in like my family, my wife. And I was gonna say your children. I, these people I love, you know. And I'm like, Just leave me alone. Go away. I'm working. I'm trying to. Daddy. I'm doing this so that we can go see your nanny and poppy. Leave me alone. You know. Uh, I'm doing this because I love you. You know that sort of thing. Yeah. And. uh yeah, so we spent an hour and a half parked on the highway, 12 minutes from my house. Uh, it finally clears up. It's, uh, you know, getting close to 8.15, 8.30 at this yeah. point. Uh, so I finally am able to pull on the feeder road. I turn around, and I take the 12-minute drive back home and go back to sleep. <laughs> really? You just quit? <laughs> yeah, I just gave up. I was done. It, it was over. It was over. I, 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 I was gone from my house for two hours. I got 12 minutes away. <laughs> Wow. That's miserable. Yeah. So, uh, of course, I go home and I just fall asleep nice and easy, right? No! I'm shaking. I don't know if I was sick or if I was just so stressed out, but I'm like shaking and shivering. I feel like I'm 20 degrees and uh, yeah, shake and shiver for about you know 30 minutes before I'm able to fall asleep. Finally fall asleep. Wake up the next day. You want to hear the irony? Zero Absolutely. traffic. <laughs> Zero tra- <laughs> oh, I don't know if I don't know if I believe in the universe, but I definitely believe in God. Like, yeah. so if I believe in the universe, I would say that God, that the universe hates me. Uh, but I believe sure. in God. Does God hate me? Like, what am I doing? <laughs> that's I. I mean, I. That's wow. Um, <laughs> if if I'm. <laughs> Okay, so I don't want to say yes because I know that's not I know that's technically not true. But given the evidence you just showed me, it's um that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Yeah. You could have just totally chilled in your house. Or you could have like like left at eight o'clock and probably been at your that's just I'm I'm sorry, buddy. That's that's the worst. Yeah, like every choice I made was somehow wrong. Like yeah. Like, 
if I would have like, you know, done a little less work and just said, screw it, I'm not working this week, we would have been there fine. If I would yep. have not filled up my car with gas, if I would have not stopped at Walgreens, like I would have missed the I, I would have missed the wreck because it was happened two minutes ahead of ahead of me on the road, right? Like yeah. any two minutes would have changed. If I would have not, you know, like th- there's so many what ifs during that day that could have made that day just fine. And uh, I made every wrong choice. Well, this is Father Anthony. <laughs> of course this is happening. <laughs> and then right in the middle of me complaining, you get a phone call during my complaints. What is I'm going sorry. on? It's, it's, I have to, I don't know. It should not, this should not have reached me. It, I don't know how she got my room number. It should have just gone straight <laughs> to my office. I don't understand. That's like for emergency lines, which makes me all the more cranky. Oh, um, priests are getting emergency phone calls in their bedroom during my podcast. So I yeah. ask you again, does God hate me? <laughs> it's looking more and more. I don't have the energy to argue with you about this today. So sorry. We have to change all theology, given the evidence I have just experienced. Okay, well, good. Um, you know, again, your life is going perfectly, and mine is going, uh, mine is going uh, pretty, pretty rough. Correct. Um, so, not only that, I, I have more to complain about. Are you, are you okay to listen to me complain some more? Will it make you feel better about your life if I keep? It's complaining? your show, buddy. You want to complain? You go for it. I'm, I'm just here for the ride. All right, here we go. So, uh, I uh, speaking of things not going well in my life, I have an MRI scheduled for this week because I might need to have a botch surgery redone. My life's going great. <laughs> Wait, explain this. What? When did you have surgery? <laughs> oh, ten years ago. And the the thing, you know, I, it was a hernia surgery, and they repaired uh. the hernia, and then uh, they were like, "Yeah, it will never rip, but it will be stronger than ever." And they lied. Uh, so I think I have to have surgery again. My life's just going great, right? So I call, I, I, I go and I see the surgeon. And the surgeon's like, yeah, we're going to need to do an MRI. So uh, he's like, my people will call and, and schedule with you, right? Okay. Uh, so I'm on the phone with the scheduling people to, to mm-hmm. get this MRI done. And they're like, hey, uh, you know, uh, when's, when's your birthday? You know, like, 10, 25, 89. And I'm, you know, talking with the lady. I'm like, yeah, I'm being jovial. I like to be nice to people because they're, you know, sure. they're on the phone all day and people are probably grumpy. I'm just, I'm just trying to be, you know, nice and smiley and laughing and that sort of thing. I'm like, oh yeah, ten twenty five eighty nine, and uh, and she was like, what's your name? And I was like, you know, Taylor Schroll, S C H R O L L. I had to spell it out because they never know, right? Uh, yeah. And then they're like, social security number, and I say six three. Oh, never mind. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, then she's like, I'm having trouble finding you. Like, you know, like it's this whole referral system, right? Like my doctor referred me to the surgeon. The surgery surgeon has to refer me to the to the, uh, you know, the imaging place or whatever. And they're like, so she go, she's like, let me just go through back. Through. She's like, you know, Taylor Schroll, S-C-H-R-O-L-L. Yep. Uh, you know, Social Security number. Uh, yep. 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 Uh, and you said ten twenty five forty nine. Right. And I'm like, that. do I sound 73 years old? She's been on the phone with me for 15 minutes at this point, and she thinks that I was born in 1949, like I fought in World War II. Like, what is going on? <laughs> I'm trying to be pleasant. She thinks I'm a 73-year-old man. She's probably want, like, why, why, why are you getting an MRI? Like, you know, don't they just have caskets? You know, like <laughs> so I'm frustrated. Yes. <laughs> And uh, I wouldn't bring up this phone call if that was it. <laughs> okay. Okay. So then we have a good laugh about that. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, okay. Let me just move on to these next questions. She's like, uh, you know, have you ever had surgery before? I was like, yeah, I had my wisdom teeth out. And I had this hernia surgery. And that's, you know, that's the one we're looking at. And then she goes, uh, okay, here's, here, we finally get to the end of the conversation. She's like, here's all your prep, right? She's like, you don't need to fast because it's an MRI. It's not like a, you know, uh, they're not going in anything right they're just gonna look and then finally she starts asking me questions she goes have you ever had a mammogram before is this your first mammogram uh do you have any questions i was like mammogram am i a 73 year old woman now like (laughs) i don't understand what's going on and this is not giving me any kind of trust that my mri will go well yeah no So I'm an angry 73-year-old woman whose Thanksgiving travel didn't go well. That's my report to start this show. 
Wow, that's a lot. Um, <laughs> that wasn't some like attack on your weight or anything, was it? No, like, she doesn't even know. She clearly doesn't know what I look like. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, that means wait, wait, wait. So like, there had to be something in your file that like either misled her or did she just get mammograms stuck in her brain somehow? That's um, I, I whatever it is, it's troubling. It's troubling. I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so they might be doing a, uh, you know. MRI of my chest area <laughs> where I yeah. did have surgeries. I don't, I don't know what's gonna happen, but uh, I just wanted, I wanted to let you know, and I wanted to let everyone listening know. That's just the headspace that I'm in for today's podcast. That's good. That's uh, wow. That's a lot. <laughs> it really is. So, uh, would you like to uh, lighten the lighten the mood a little bit? How can I do that? How can I lighten the mood for you? Uh, just, just, uh, I have some, some fun news to share about my son, okay. Christopher. Oh, okay. You've, you've met him. You remember yeah, him. Yeah, he's a good dude. <laughs> he's a good dude. Not a 73-year-old woman. He's a 10-year-old boy, right? Yes. Uh, um, so he has been on, his life is going way better than mine. He's been on this incredible win streak. Like, okay. <laughs> uh, not just in Fortnite. He has already has more Fortnite wins than me. He started playing in the summer, right? Um, <laughs> But, you know, he got this big diocesan scholarship a few months ago. Everybody, you know, All we posted right. that. Everybody got congratulated. He got to meet the Smart bishop. Kids. You know, it was very, very, very exciting for him. And then um, now he, you know, football season ended. It was his first year playing football. You know, they uh, they made it to the championship because there were only two teams. <laughs> yeah. Good old Catholic League. It was just us and another Paris going at each other the whole time. Yeah. Um but he played really well in the championship. He got his fir uh, first inter interception of the season. He played cool. really, really, really well. Uh, but then after they had a skills competition, it was punt, pass, and kick. So they had like, you know, the big trophy for the team that won. But then they yeah. were also going to do a uh, skills competition. And uh, he was in the, uh, the team that he played for was the four fourth through sixth graders. And he's a fourth grader. So he's like, okay. you know, one of the babies on the team, right? Yeah. Um, so the punt, pass, kick thing, we worked a lot on passing because I, sh I shared on the show about a month ago that he, you know, was going to play quarterback. And I told the coach that he's not a quarterback, but, you know, he wanted to give him a chance anyway through four interceptions. It was great. right? Yeah. So, <laughs> but all of that work that we did with the passing ended up working. He got like fourth in the passing skills nice. competition. And great. then one thing we didn't work at on at all because it wasn't a part of their like peewee football thing was yeah. kicking and punting. At the, okay. so the end of the season, they're like, hey, you know this thing we never worked on before? We're going to give a trophy away for who's the best at it. <laughs> this is pure raw talent. <laughs> yeah. That's what this is. Uh, so Chris uh, won the kicking one, won the punting one, and got like fourth in the throwing one. So he, as a fourth grader, won the uh, he won like the fourth grade competition but yeah. he also won the overall skills competition for stuff he had never done before it was awesome That's, okay so what's for like peewee football what is the kicking competition is it, is it distance Do you have to kick like a like a mini field goal or so what was it yeah so all all of them the punting the passing and the kicking was all distance down a straight line got it and then minus however far away from the line you were uh, okay, cool. So cool. If, if if you kicked a, you know, if you threw a twenty yard pass, for, which is for yeah. a nine year old, is pretty far, right? Yeah. If you threw a twenty yard pass, but it was you know three three feet off, it was you know, uh, or sorry, I should do it all in feet. Let's say you threw a thirty feet pass, right? Yeah. And then it was five foot feet off the line. You got twenty five feet, okay, right? Yeah, cool. It's the same for same for kicking, like place kicking, and then the same for punting. And his kicks were both straight down the line, straight down the line, and the furthest. And his pass was straight down the line, and like the fourth furthest. So overall, you know, if you get first, first, and fourth when there's thirty people competing, like you're gonna win, right? You won, yeah, yeah. yeah that's awesome. What a dude. So then he goes uh, to school like two weeks later. And he wins the spelling bee. Another thing that, like, I mean, we don't really, like work on spelling. It's like you know, yeah. he's, like we worked on him. You know, we've we've worked on it, but it's not like we haven't memorized words and like taught him how to say. Would you please use that in the sentence, please? Like, it's not like <laughs> yeah. we we do these things. He's just a winner, and he, his life is going great. That's all he does. He just wins. <laughs> all amazing. He does is win. <laughs> and it it, it it reminded me of. Um, because, uh, you know, we've had to teach him a little bit about how to win and how to lose. We've talked about uh, that on the yes. show, right? Um, he's a very gracious winner. Very, very mm -hmm. gracious winner. Losing is, is a little tough, uh, but he's doing better than me. This reminded me of a story that I haven't <laughs> thought about in, like, 
25 years. Yeah. And it might be because I can't remember most of it. And you'll know why when the story is happening. It wasn't my spelling bee. We didn't do a spelling bee. But we did, like, we had, like, grammar competitions in, mm-hmm. like, when I was his age. It was, like, third or fourth grade. And it was, like, uh, you know, utilizing correct grammar, you know, punctuation. It was punctuation and spelling and, like, word, you know, sentence construction, all this stuff, right? And we'd have a competition at the end of the week, every week. And whoever won got, like, a little, like, sticker next to their name on the wall. And, like, mm-hmm. by the end of the year... You know, whoever had the most. So I won just about every week. Like okay. I was, I was, I was, you know, I probably had like 30 out of the 34 stickers available. Right. Nice. Yeah. We get to the last week and the teacher's like, you know, this is the championship. Like this is winner takes all. Like, you know, uh, the the rankings don't matter. Like my 34 wins meant nothing at that point. You know, wow. it was just like the championship. Sure. Um, so sure, surely enough, you know, there's, you get, you, you, we're like going in a line. I get a bunch yeah. right and I'm winning. And finally, I get one wrong. And this guy who had been, you know, the uh, the person that had won, like, you know, three or four stickers throughout yeah. the year, he yeah. gets all of them right. So I get second place for the year after just absolutely annihil- annihilating everybody, right? Yeah. And uh, uh, I hadn't had to, I hadn't lost much, so I hadn't learned how to be a gracious winner. So uh, how I... Yeah, 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 exactly. Either one. Yeah. <laughs> so how I handled that situation was I took my forehead and I plunged it into the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying very much to use my head as a battering ram and yes. make as big of a dent in that wall as I possibly could and just banging my wall, banging my head in the wall, banging my head into the wall. And uh, that's how I handled losing. So uh, that didn't come back to me until my son. It was the first thought that I had in my mind when my son came back and said, I won the spelling bee. And I go, oh, no. It's <laughs> <laughs> like flashback. <laughs> you forgot it because you did. He gave yourself brain trauma. Right, you exactly. did. <laughs> I do my not first... like the feeling of losing. I will wipe it from my brain. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I thought it was pretty funny. That's like just how naturally I deal with, uh, with losing. And, uh, you've played enough, uh, games with me to know that, uh, not much has changed. Nothing has changed. <laughs> Nothing has changed. Nothing you've has literally changed. declared yourself a deity whenever you win <laughs> and you <laughs> get so angry whenever you're not playing well. You're, yeah. uh, Yeah. <laughs> I'm not uh, banging my head into a wall, but I maybe throw my controller into the wall. I maybe Absolutely. say some words I didn't even know existed when I was nine. You know, like yes, exactly, <laughs> yes, yes. So um. I, it, it was. It's just really interesting that I'm like trying to teach my son how to be this good person, right? Yes. And uh, here I am. Every time he does something good, it reminds me of how bad a person that I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. That that brings me to our first like actual conversation about faith. Welcome to Fuerte Catholic, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so I realized that I was like, man, um, I think the importance of like confessing my sins, the importance of confessing my wrongs, has been just drilled into me. Like I know the importance of confession. I don't sure. have any problem really going. Um, but it's the whole like I, I was reading. I was doing this Bible study the other day, right? And mm-hmm. it it says in the old the old proverbs, those who, <laughs> I I have it here. Yes, it's not as memorized. opposed to the new proverbs. The old proverbs, old yeah. testament proverbs. My my new proverbs are yeah you know oh, that that might be a segment new proverbs. Okay, <laughs> you have some. That's a good file that away. File that away. Yeah yeah yeah. Uh, proverbs twenty eight thirteen says those who conceal their sins do not prosper. I don't have any problem revealing my sins i do it on the show i do it in confession that's not my problem yeah but those who confess and forsake them obtain mercy i don't have any problems confessing my sins i'll confess Mm. them to you i'll confess them to the the listeners i'll confess them to anybody that will listen but i think it's the forsaking my sins that i struggle with Ooh, yeah witnessed by how I reacted to losing a game when I was nine is pretty similar to how I do it at 33. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that that that's the tricky part. Um, you know, it, so because confessing our sins is always awkward, um, but I think you get to a point. A lot of Catholics get to the point where they are relatively comfortable going to confession. Might be a little awkward, but something they do more than once a year. Um, so they do it maybe every month, every couple of months. 
every couple of weeks or something like that. And you can get used to simply confessing your sins. Uh, but then actually working at them, that's a whole nother thing that is not guaranteed by frequent confession. Right. Uh, so I'm going to set up this next part of the story by asking you a question. As a priest, okay. you've been a priest for how long? Six years? Six years, Six years yep. Yeah. Um, and th- it's one of the things that, like, I'm not nervous about going to confession, but I know a lot of people are. And, like, we've yeah. been talking about confession a lot, and people have been pretty honest. Listen to the show that are, that uh, one of the things that they're worried about is, you know, uh, what will the priest think? Or maybe the pri- uh, uh, the priest will, you know, treat me different. Or um, what if what if he says no to forgiving me, right? And it's like those easy ones are, like are you know, pretty easy to get rid of. It's like the priest has heard way worse than what you have. I promise, Tommy. Like, that, like there's, there's nothing you can say that he is, hasn't heard worse. He might like perk up his ears like, oh, I hadn't heard that one in a while. But, you know, like, uh, you know, he, he's heard it all, right? Um, he's not going to treat you differently because, you know, uh, he already thinks you suck. Uh, so the, the final one, though, I think is the, is the one that people are worried about that doesn't happen. Have you as a Catholic priest, I know you can't talk about specifics like with anybody in particular, but you can talk generally. Have you yeah. ever refused confession or refused absolution to somebody? Uh, yeah, it has not happened often. Okay. Um, it's, it's, I mean, maybe happened like three times or something like that in six years. And it was literally because someone refused to be sorry for their sins. Um, or like they, not, not just, and not just like, Refuse to be sorry, but like, I know people have told me that this is a sin. I don't think it's a sin. I'm just saying it anyway. And it's like, I, I, that's not really a confession. This is just you. Um, and like, you're, you're just to telling work with me what person. the church teaches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just a weird form of catechism. Uh, and even after like working with that person, like they have revealed uh, that they are in no way sorry for their sins or afraid of hell in any way. Uh, for this thing, um, it's it like I said, that's it's rare because I'll like talk with someone, work with them in the confessional, whatever. Um, but it happens where it's either certain cases, um, uh, but it's like I said, it's happened like maybe two or three times in six years, and they were odd. It was an odd confession. It's not something that happens very often at all. Um, like I'm trying really hard to forgive their sins. Like I'm trying to like get them to some sort of place where there's some sort of contrition. But it has happened where there's literally none of that. And it's like, I can't. It's not even a choice on my part. It's like, I I cannot forgive these sins because of how the sacrament works. So, yeah, no, um, it's it's very rare, but this has happened a couple times to me. Right. So about three times over the course of six plus years when you've heard confessions for hours and hours and hours a week. Yes. You know, like it's a very rare occurrence. Uh, Incredibly rare. Yeah. So in my my, like I have never had it refused to me. And that is still true. Uh, I have gone, you know, roughly 100 to 200 times in my life. I was trying to do some math the other day. It's probably somewhere in there. 100, 200 times. Never even like had the thought that the priest was going to refuse my absolution. Until my latest one. <laughs> uh, so I go and I list off all my sins. Again, no problem confessing. Because I I don't need, everybody's like, oh, you need to do, make sure that you do a well, well you know, examination of conscience. Make sure that you're well prepared. I'm like, bro, I could be like watching a video for like watching the office for an hour waiting in line on my headphones. And somebody says they're ready. Like I'm ready to go. You know why? <laughs> it's the same list since I banged my head against the wall in third grade. I've got the same list. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I, I walk into this confession and uh, I list off all of my sins. And the priest starts asking a lot of follow-up questions, like trying oh. to get at like the root of, why are you making this sin? Do you understand uh-huh. why this is a sin in yeah. the church? Do you understand, you know, what, like, so, like, what, what is bringing you to the sin? What are the situations that are bringing you to the sin? Yeah. And, like, it was a pretty, like, pastoral, but, like, pointedly pastoral, right? Like, a, yeah. like you know, pastoral is in, like, a father trying to correct his son, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he, fi- he finally asked me a question after, I mean, we're in there for, like, my confessions usually don't take very long because I rattle off my sins. I say, I know the form. I say the prayer. Like I'm in and out in like 90 seconds. Like it doesn't, you know, I, I just listed off half the sins, but it didn't take long because yeah. I, I have the list memorized. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh-huh. But I, we were in there for a while, which for me, yeah. like five, six minutes, like he's asking me these follow-up questions. And then finally 
he's like, uh, so do you plan to not do this sin again? And it was an awkward pause. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Because this is where it gets into, like, like, with confession, I've always known that I have imperfect contrition. Meaning... Mm-hmm. I have contrition. I am sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for, for, for committing my sins. I'm sorry that it hurt God. I'm sorry that it hurt other people. I am sorry for my sins. But at the same time, because I have this same list over and over and over again, it's not like I'm making a plan to do those sins. But could I sit in that confessional and say, I probably, I, I could sit in the professional and say without a doubt, I, I do not, I plan to not do these sins anymore. Mm-hmm. But in the back of my mind, I know I'm going to do them. Like, mm. just because I, it, it's, this is just how life is, right? I, I've, I've committed these sins. I've done them over and over again. But whenever he said, like, do, uh, so, you know, do you plan not to do this again? I had to pause. Because mm-hmm. I had to, like, and after about a 10-second pause, I said, I said that I do not plan to do this sin again. But it was hard for me to say because it's not like it's not like I was like, okay, Tuesday night I'm gonna sin. But yeah. you know what? I'm probably gonna sin Tuesday night. You know, like it was just it was just this hard, and it was like this like heartrending thing of like because I knew that if I said, you know, do you plan to do this sin again? If I said yes, he was going to refuse my confession. He was gonna refuse yeah. my absolution. Yeah. And that's the closest I've ever gotten to it. But I knew like the right thing that I had to say. And I didn't want to just say it because it was the right thing to say. But at the same time, I was like, he might be right. Mm-hmm. So it, it was one of the more like interesting confession experiences I've ever had. I just like the idea of you like filling out your calendar for the week. Monday is bingo <laughs> night. Wednesday is poker night. Tuesday is sin night. That's, yeah, that's yeah, where yeah. we do the sins. Um, Thursday, we get any of the leftover sins we haven't done. And Friday, we have pizza. Um, so, uh, yeah. Okay. So this is something that people struggle with a lot, especially if they're caught up in habitual sins. Um, What's and your language? Have to, yeah. So uh, uh, even if um, there's things like, people get in the habit of let's just say something mundane relatively mundane of like swearing uh swearing and taking god's name in vain sometimes that becomes simply a habit and it takes a while to break that habit and so while they don't want to commit the sin again they are pretty sure they're going to do it again right right okay and then you feel awkward you can feel hypocritical in that uh i think there's a few things uh going on there um and I think this may be going at what maybe some of it, what your confessor was was trying to do. Do you want to take concrete steps to not commit the sin again? Okay. Um, like you saying you're probably going to sin again is you just kind of betting on your personality, like betting on the things that you normally like. That's not that's not planning to do the sin again. You're saying, given the statistics, given my 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 records for my lifetime, uh, if I'm going to put money on this, I'm going to put money on the sinning um, and then add gambling on sin to your confession later. But uh, I was about to say, that's, that's going to make me sin even more if I can win money off of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. I'm going to, I can rig this. Um, is it cheating? I'm betting I'm the Pete sin. Rose of Catholic sinning. <laughs> Yes, just incredible new ways to sin. Okay. Uh, Yeah, and so we need to give ourselves, not be so hard on ourselves in that, especially when it comes to habitual sins or sins we've struggled with our entire lives. There is, we do have have to have a certain patience with ourselves and not judge ourselves by what is likely. Because in a certain sense, conversion is not likely. Change of heart is not likely. If you're going strictly by odds in our natural character, it's very unlikely to repent of our sins. It's remember this is all a work of grace. So it's kind of futile to bet on yourself just knowing yourself. So even that whole game of am I going to sin again, it's not worth it. Because even when you begin thinking that way, you're almost prepping yourself for failure mentally. Um, like it, it become your sin becomes a matter of fate. This is just going to happen, and therefore I feel less guilty about doing it. When in reality, I'm still choosing to do it. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah. So that whole whole game that we play, and I do it too. Everyone does it. It's not healthy, not good. And we need to remember that Christ is the one who is changing us, converting our hearts, and He can do these things. Okay. So that's that's one part of it. 
Yeah, I, th- I think the I think that's the part I struggle with. Literally, the yeah. last thing that you said is like, yeah. I think I think after thirty three years, I think the pro like the reason that I paused for so long yeah. was I'm at the point where I don't think I can change. Mm-hmm. I think I've been saying the same list for so long that I don't think I can actually grow in holiness. I I I, I could come in and confess and you know like I was like you know Jesus has changed my life, but I think there's a limit to that. I, you know like, like like that's that's like start like these quote unquote limiting beliefs or whatever that I have is yeah. that like I don't believe that I can forsake my sin because of the track record. I don't, like yeah. and and like I, and so I think back to like you know these people's lives who were completely changed like you know in in the scriptures, right? Um but I like you know they met Jesus and then everything was changed and I was like, "Man, I feel like I've had a a lot of big moments in my life where where Jesus really did change my life." And for some reason, I I I guess it's age and just the track record. I don't think Jesus can change my life anymore. I think mm-hmm. I am. I, th- you know, we joked earlier about how I'm like, there's good in me and there's bad in me, and I think that I think I'm done, and that's yeah. sad. <laughs> I don't like the fact that I don't believe that I can forsake my sin. Sucks. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So it's. It, I also get frustrated with some of those stories about. Um, where it seems like St. Hers is major conversion and then you're done and it's easy for the rest of your life. Um, I think about uh, Teresa of Avila, who had kind of her major conversion after she spent many years in the convents. Uh, and it was only in like her mid 40s that she had like a serious conversion to the Lord. She like went back and forth for a long part of her life. Um, and also, you know, I've been blessed to know people who have had major conversion experiences and have begun to progress in their moral and spiritual life. Uh, you know, after they're, you know, in their 60s and later. So I, I am blessed that I've actually seen it happen. So I maybe have more hope than someone who is just dealing with their own lives. Okay. Um, so there, it does happen. Um, but also with that, uh, sometimes it takes those kind of um, hitting your head against the wall and there, and you don't break through with your forehead. You just like, you bounce back against these, uh, this priest questioning. Sometimes it takes like moments like that where like, now is the time to, for the conversion to happen. It's weird. I don't know why God's timing is how it is. I'm not, not going to pretend to understand that at all. Uh, but sometimes it's those kind of moments where either a confessor or yourself, you wake up and have to like, oh no, I've been comfortable in a certain way. I've been comfortable with the way I've been living for a mm-hmm. long time. Yeah. You know, that's that's what trips you up is that. On one sense, we don't like our sins because we don't like the way it makes us feel sometimes. And we don't and we do on some level very much so love God and want to please him and want to go to heaven. Like those are genuine desires. But we also have a genuine desire to just stay still. Just like, you know what? Sometimes I feel bad about my sins, but, you know, I'm getting along pretty well. Um, So we'll just keep going. And I think that's the rut a lot of people get stuck in. Um. And sometimes God, in order to break us out of that rut, he gives us some time to do it ourselves. A lot of times we don't. Um, But then God will, like, he'll take away um, consolations in prayer. He'll give you a priest who might be a little more poignant with confession. He'll kind of make us hit rock bottom sometimes to, like, shake us out of this simply being comfortable with our own sins. And that's, that's one of the most difficult things for us to admit is, like, you know what? I do like this sin and I would prefer not to get rid of it. But you have to get to that point to then ask the Lord to give you the desire to actually change. Um, and that's, it's difficult. It's difficult to admit bad things about ourselves sometimes because we like to think that we always have good intentions, but sometimes we don't have good intentions. Sometimes we have bad intentions. Oh, I, I think that's very well aware in me that I have. Both. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you have given me some hope in this conversation, though. You've given Good. me hope that uh, at some point when I become that 73-year-old woman that the people on the phone think that I am, that maybe uh, then I'll finally grow in holiness. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back for some theological questions that I have for Father Anthony Sharapa. As you may have heard, Father Anthony and I are heading to Italy to lead a pilgrimage next summer, June 19th through 29th. We're going to the holiest 
um, the, the, the center of Catholicism, our holiest sites. We're going to the beautiful Italian countryside, uh, Assisi, Rome, uh, the Vatican. It's going to be an absolute blast. We hope that you can join us. If you can do that, you, you would sign up at ForteCatholic.com slash travel. I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. Uh, we had quite a few people. We had seven new people sign up just this week. So if you would like to join us and some other of our friends and listeners of the show in Italy on a pilgrimage next year, you can find all the information and sign up at ForteCatholic.com slash travel. If you have any questions, please let me know. Enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. I am Taylor Stroll, and that is Father Anthony Sharapa. And I minorly prepped him for today's show, but didn't fully prep him because uh, right now we're going to, I have a lot of theological questions for Father Anthony. And sometimes when he's prepped, like he, like he often will like impress me with how smart he is. I always knew that he was very, like very pastoral, but like, you know, there is something going on in that brain, like despite what most people think. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Despite that, um, I didn't want to fully prep you for this because we're going to do a segment called you, you do a segment where you answer theological questions on your podcast. What what is that uh, what is that segment called? It's called Theological Emergencies. Theological Emergencies. Well, what this segment is going to be called is called um, uh, plain answers. You know how uh, Pope Francis says a bunch of very cool theological oh. things in his in his in his encyclicals. Yes. Well, I'm just going to throw questions on you, and we're going to pretend that you're a priest on a plane answering questions to reporters <laughs> with little to no preparation. You ready for this? That's amazing. Yes, great <laughs> idea. Okay, let's right. let's see how many heresies I can do. I'm, I'm going to do a couple of couple of like weird ones, and then some. Uh, ironically enough, you got a phone call in the middle of our of our recording earlier, and the yeah. lady was asking you a question that I am going to be asking you here on the show. Great. But my first one is rather silly. It was a psalm that was in mass. Um, uh, over the last few weeks. I think we actually had it twice. Like, you know, we had like the new liturgical year. We heard it mm-hmm. at the beginning of Advent. I think we actually heard it at the end of last liturgical year. So whoever uh, made those calendars missed one by a week. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but in the Psalms, which are all songs of, of praise or lament, but they're all like praises, songs to God, right? Yes. And one thing that they're constantly saying is Jerusalem, a city of compact unity. And my question is, why is that a prayer? It seems so very silly. Oh, yes, compact unity in Jerusalem. Why is that? Why, why should I be saying stuff like that in prayer? Like, I should just be like, oh, yeah, city of Brian, very sprawling. <laughs> like, oh, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so I'm not sure what the actual, like, Hebrew is there, but the, at least the concepts of, like, compact unity – it's it's saying that this this holy city is a well ordered city, uh, and you know how like you ran into traffic going through what Houston or Dallas or wherever you're going through. Oh, Br- Brian, twelve Brian. minutes away from my house. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay, yeah, whatever. <laughs> All Texas is the same to me. Uh, you know, if 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 that city were planned like perfectly, imagine a city where there there's such unity and it's so compact in the sense that it's so well ordered. That even even a traffic uh, incident couldn't keep you from going to your place, like or you knew like, or imagine a place where like everything's like a ten minute drive or something, something where like the city is just so well ordered. So it's saying that Jerusalem is like that, that God's city is well ordered, and it's kind of reflecting off of like God's plan for His people, uh, because all people are meant to be drawn to Jerusalem. Now we know it's the heavenly Jerusalem. Uh, all people are meant to be drawn to Jerusalem to worship the one God, and they can do so because God has planned out history, his land, his people in such a way that there is what sounds lame, but it's, it's meant to evoke more compact unity. I, I mean, I was making fun of it, but I think like I, I, all these things I've heard about heaven and the beatific vision, how be- beautiful it is and I, Nothing has ever made me want to go to heaven more than you saying there's not traffic there. Like, I, yeah, I want to go to go. heaven more than anything else in my mm-hmm. entire life now. Okay. Um, I have questions about baptism. All right. I hear often that baptism uh, makes us children of God, brings us into God's family of the church, mm-hmm. right? But God is our creator and there, and the father. He's the father whether I'm his son or not. So... Mm-hmm. Why does baptism make me a, ch- a child of God? Wasn't I already a child of God? So the answer is no, you were not a child of God uh, before baptism. 
You were made in his image and likeness. You were created by him in love. God certainly loved you. Uh, and in the Old Testament, when you hear uh, the idea that God is father, it's very metaphorical in a sense that he is the creator. Okay. Um, Jesus begins speaking about the father. Jesus. In much- <laughs> Jesus. When Jesus comes there, he speaks so to weird. the father. <laughs> anyway, I don't know what that. So, Keep going. <laughs> and he says, Abba, which means daddy. Um, I need to stop. <laughs> I won't be able to continue. Um, so he is speaking about the father in these very kind of direct familial terms. Terms and it makes people around him uncomfortable, like the Pharisees and everything. They're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. we we talk about this metaphorically." Like, no, 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 no. There's something different happens in baptism, where we can call him Father in a much more elevated sort of sense. Uh, so, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Talk to me. Oh yeah, this is my internet connection is unstable. Okay, we're back now, uh, okay. but I lost you for like thirty seconds. Okay. Um. Yeah. Go ahead. Um. Did you get the part where I talked about the metaphor? Okay, so uh, come on, brain. Yeah, I had where you were, and then it went for a long time. You're like, in terms of something, that's not helpful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's there's a metaphorical meaning in the Old Testament. It becomes a spiritual reality in the New. Um, even though we're called adopted sons and daughters of God, we have to remember that adopted is only the way which we are sons and daughters. So what I mean by that is you are more God's son or daughter than you even are your parents' son or daughter. But you are that way by by way of adoption. Uh, adoption does not mean less real in this sense. Uh, so baptism really does this new thing to you, um, which is God's plan for everybody, but not everyone has accepted that plan yet. So no, we're not all sons and daughters in the same sense um, as we are when we are baptized. It's a, it's a brand new thing that's happening. This is why baptism is so important as well. Yeah, I get that. I, yeah, I get how it proves that baptism is so important, but like my, my takeaway is that like, she just doesn't care about unbaptized people. Like, like that, that's like the issue, right? Where it's like, oh, and like, there's a term for offspring that you don't love. And I'm not going to say it here on the show because we'll get an explicit warning. But it makes it makes me feel more like that. that or not, not me because I was baptized for you. But like, it seems un, very unloving to people who aren't baptized. Well, I mean, the point of Jesus dying on the cross is so that we could become his children. He loved us so much. Um, while we were still sinners, he died for us, but we become something new and are able to accept that love so much more through baptism. So God desperately wants everyone to be baptized. That's why he dies for the unbaptized. That's why he makes a church and sends out uh, people to go evangelize. That's why people evangelize with such fervor and intensity because of God's love for them. Uh, so don't mistake you know, God's desire um, like it's you're not <laughs> if you're unbaptized, it doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It means God does love you and has more planned for you that you don't have yet. Uh, and there's nothing I don't I don't see that as as wrong. I can see where you're coming from. But it's like, yeah, remember, God died for us while we were still sinners, while we were still unbaptized. So that kind of throws it out. God definitely loves you and wants you to be baptized. Gotcha. So my next question has to do with baptism and like it's kind of on the opposite end where it's like. Okay. It's almost that I like that that I like baptism too much that my answer it seems to go against what the church says, right? Okay. And you you and I have talked about this uh off the air because I have like I like pe- people that I have a pastoral role with, like, you know, in the ministry that I do have asked like, "Hey, can my grandchild get baptized? The, the, my kids aren't Catholic." You literally got a call about this during the show of yes. Somebody else in the family calling, hey, can we schedule a baptism? And you're like, you, I heard you ask the questions. Are they going to go to mass? Are they going to be raised in the faith? And like, 
most of the time that answer is no, but like baptism has been shown to be so important to people, mm-hmm. uh, whether they understand it or whether the kids understand it or not, or like in most cases, the grandparents understand it. <laughs> you know, like this yeah. is the situation you find yourself in that I find myself yeah. in a lot. Uh, the grandparents know how important it is, but the kids don't seem to care. But like they want to get the, the grandbaby baptized. So with mm-hmm. everything that you just said in the last question about how important baptism is and how important it is, like the graces we receive and how it like makes us a child of God. Um, you have answered it for me. Our, our One of our canon lawyer friends uh, has answered the question for me, and I still struggle with it. I still struggle yeah. with the question of to baptize or not to baptize. That is the question. So mm-hmm. um, it would seem to me, with everything that I know about baptism, that if a grandchild, so, you know, parents are super, uh, grandparents are super Catholic, parents are not Catholic, the, uh, and then those parents have a child. So now there's a grandchild, right? Yeah. That grandchild... Uh, is not going to be raised in the faith because the the those the parents of that kid are not practicing Catholics. They're not going to be practicing Catholics. But grandparents want the the kid to be baptized, and the kids are okay with it. They're like, okay, we know this is important to the family, and it's like maybe it's a cultural thing. We'll get the kid baptized, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems to me that the graces received from baptism, the answer would be yes. We're going to baptize the kid no matter what. Right. Mm-hmm. I have been asked to baptize people's grandchildren yeah, in yeah. bad pool parties. Right. Yeah. But you have told me that the church would actually say no in that situation. I want you to explain to me why. Yeah. Uh, so the reason why we'd say no in the sense. OK, so an example that you gave the the parents are OK with it. I would I would if they're like, are you at least willing to try to go to mass every Sunday? Like, yeah, are you at least no. willing to. If, so if the answer is like straight up no, okay, cool. Yeah. Let's go with that then. Um, it's then not fair to the child uh, in the sense that in baptism you are given all the the rights and privileges of a Catholic person, but also the obligations. Um, so you've put this child in an impossible situation um, that they they can't meet their Sunday obligation, <laughs> they can't go to confession. They can't receive the sac- the other sacraments that are part of the sacraments of initiation, like communion and this sort of thing. Like it's you are in your actions, like doing one thing, but also contradicting what you're doing. Uh, so y- baptism becomes this kind of almost like a lie in a certain sense. Uh, now, it, does the baptism still happen? Yes, but um it actually makes it more difficult for that person's life of faith. Uh, this, so this is a little bit more my opinion about the matter. Um, that a person who has grown up with the realities of baptism but never experienced them or opened up that gift, um, that becomes a scandal in their lives. Um, it becomes like not fair to them in that sense. I hope I'm making sense. Um, and it's actually, I think what it, what it gets down to is... Uh, do we feel like we need to force God's hand for someone to be saved? So we are unsure that God actually loves this person and will bring them to baptism and will bring them to salvation. So we have to force God's hand and baptize this person against their parents' will in order to get them to heaven. That's a dangerous kind of thinking. That's um, putting salvation, the power of salvation in our own hands and not trusting in God. And don't get me wrong. like. These, these grandparents and people I talk to, like, they genuinely, even if they don't have all the theology, they know that baptism is important. They want their grandkids, who they love very much, to be happy with God in heaven. Like, they have all the right desires. But then they're going to have to suffer through trusting God to take care of that child. Trusting God's providence um, in that. So I think a lot of times the, the pain in that boils down to... Do you trust that God will take care of this kid in his providence, in his own time? Or do you feel like you need to force God's hand in order for that baby to be saved? Um, And I'm not saying that's easy at all. It's a very, very difficult thing um, to to deal with. Absolutely. Um, But yeah, if there's like no way for the kid to be raised Catholic, it's like baptism doesn't doesn't make sense in that. So here... Uh, he, so I've heard, you know, you, you've you answered this off the air for me and, you know, yeah. our canon lawyer friend did the same. And like, 
I get it from like you know the the grandparents' perspective, right? You're, you're, I speak, think you're speaking a lot to like people, the grandparents that find themselves in that scenario. But for me, like so, like I, I guess I'm coming at it from the kids' angle, right? Because I've worked with kids in youth ministry for so long, so I think about it from that direction a lot. Yeah. Um, okay, so the kid gets all the blessings from baptism, gets all, receives all the graces, is is brought into God's family, yet. In the scenario that we're playing out, they're not brought to church. Let's say they're, you know, they're now 15 years old. Fast forwarding the situation, they're now 15 years old. The parents um, haven't brought him to church ever. Um, so, you know, once he reached the age of reason, what you're saying is that, you know, the, all the obligations of going to mass and going to confession and all those things he has not done. But mm -hmm. my my like my like argument slash understanding would be. If he was never taught that that was important, then it's not a moral sin for him, right? It's still yeah, no, it's, it's still, certainly mm -hmm. still grave. It's still grave, but if he was never taught or raised in it, it wasn't it, it wasn't a mortal sin. So, like my like even fifteen years down the line, from the kid's perspective, I still have this thought that having the graces of baptism still makes that kid more open to faith than that kid 15 down the line years down the line not being baptized and then having a moment where you know let, let's say they have the same the same moment that you know their 15th birthday something happens and god intervenes in their life right i think i personally think that they would be more open to it if they were baptized because of what we believe in, in baptism mm -hmm. than if they were unbaptized and that's where i wrestle with it not you know yeah i, I get from the grandparents perspective and even like the parents lack of perspective right but like yeah. Like for the kid's sake, it still seems better down the line for me to baptize than not to. Yeah. And I, I think that argument in a lot of ways, yeah, it makes sense where you're coming from. Um, and I think it kind of, it shows how insane the situation is that I don't think the church ever had this situation in mind, especially if you think about the early church, the idea that you would baptize someone who didn't want to be baptized, or you would baptize someone whose parents didn't care about the faith like makes almost no sense in the mind of the church. Like think about right, the early right, right. Christians, like, right. There's something about this scenario that is horribly wrong. And one way or another, it's going to bring about a kind of pain. Um, and so in a certain, to a certain extent, there's not a good answer here because the situation is itself tragic. Um, that's, that's my perspective. That's not like arguing from the church or anything. Uh, and like, I get it. But I guess my my argument to the sort of to the contrary is that um, will we trust God to take care of this kid? Um, but like I, I see where you're coming from. Like in a lot of ways, that makes sense to me. Uh, but it's you have to make sure that baptism, even though it's a real thing that happens, is not some sort of magical talisman. Um, it's supposed to be part of a life of faith. Uh, it's supposed to be integrated into the whole person. Not just a thing that you slap on, and now I don't have to worry about the child anymore. Um, yeah, but I, I don't think that's what people really think. You know, I, I don't think they they have like cynical motivations or anything like that. But it's it's that's the only way I can make sense of it is that this has to be part of an entire life of faith. It can't be just a sticker that you slap on, and then okay, that's it. Uh, but if you struggle with it, I think that makes sense because it's definitely something worth struggling with. Yeah, and this and is a I, tough I, scenario. And I think why I struggle with it is that like. Yeah. Pastorally, I'm standing with the grandparents in this yeah. exact situation, mm -hmm. and I'm and I say with everything that I know theologically, I'm mm -hmm. like, I think it would be okay to baptize the baby, but yeah. let me check with my priest. And yeah. both our parish priest and you and the canon lawyer all said no. Yeah. And I'm like, now now I feel like the church is not pastorally taking care of these people, and I feel like, what the hell, you know, like, like I like. I, I don't know. It's because it's not even like a disagreement with the church. It's it's almost like I feel like in this rare situation that I'm agreeing more with the church than the church's processes. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like, I feel like the church's processes are not agreeing with its own theology. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I, it's this rare case. Usually I'm on the top on the side of like, oh, yeah, I struggle with church teaching on this or whatever. No, it's like here. I'm like, I think I'm doing what the church says and nobody will baptize this baby. I yeah. might do it in the pool. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like it's, it, it, it's yeah. Cause I think, cause I have a heart for the kid. The grandparents have a heart for the kid. The parents are willing enough to at least do the baptism. Mm 
that I don't know. We like we baptize infants anyway. It's like we don't give them a choice. It's really up to the parents and that sort of thing. It's like, but if the parents aren't into it, I don't understand why the grandparents can't step in and like be that. Oh, in a certain sense, they can't be like if if like if someone said like, oh hey, um, the grandparents live real close. The grandparents will bring them to mass. We'll like bring them to CCD, that kind of thing. Then I'm definitely willing. Or if they have like a really close Catholic friend who's gonna like be there like maybe in this weird scenario one of the godparents is actually a very faithful catholic um and will like be there to help the parents like there's some hope then uh i would absolutely baptize the kid like don't get me wrong it's very rare that i say absolutely no like i'm trying to look for some way to make this work um trying to get like at least some sign of some movement of the heart um which is what i'll do with this phone call when i talk to the parents eventually um, and I'll be, you know, I've been like, Hey guys, like going to something, it's not even that hard to do. Uh, like just you, like show up one hour on a Saturday or a Sunday, like go right. to breakfast, make it a thing, make it some sort of like family tradition. Like this is a thing we do. Like, even if you have no faith, will you bring the kid to mess up? <laughs> right. like, I'm working really hard to make this right. open up. But, um, you know uh, what you should do is like yeah. have a meet, like, like, you know, like dress kind of casually and meet with the parents outside of the office and yeah. like don't have your collar on and be like, hey, the priest is going to ask you these questions. These are the kinds of things that you should say in order to get the child baptized. And then you go in and you like <laughs> take take off your sweater and you have like your collar and like a t- you know, like a like a short sleeve shirt on your collar. And then you're the priest that, and they're like, oh, this guy was helpful. <laughs> you know, you say that, but there are times I have like, you know, before I've met with people. For different sacramental things, it's like I don't trust these people at all. But if they look me in the eyes and lie to my face, yes, I'll give them the sacraments. If like they're willing <laughs> to go that far and just lie to me, like I can't technically prove that they're lying. I just have a very bad feeling about it. Right. Okay. <laughs> like me and my, like that priest with me in confession. Do you plan to do this again? Ten second pause. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like well. You said, no. <laughs> <laughs> said the right thing. Um, well, here we, we find ourselves here at the end of our time. I uh, we're gonna do this again. We're gonna what do we call this? Plain plain theology. Or something. Plain theology. <laughs> plain yes. theology. We're gonna do this again. I have more questions about guardian angels and preservative grace, but we're gonna we're gonna end with this last one. Uh, okay. My most important theological conversation of the day. What are hiccups? Um, like what are they? <laughs> Where do they come from? I can't say they're glitches <laughs> in the system, right? Because God would they might actually they might be a result of the fall. Um but also like when babies hiccup, it's really funny. Um so it might be a practical joke on God's part. If I'm gonna give you a solid answer, it's uh oh, okay. Here's my totally real solid answer. Record it. You can tell your other priests or Catholics that this came from real Catholic priests and it's the truth. Hiccups are uh, the little devils coming out of your soul. Oh, good. They're leaving good. you whenever you hiccup. It's like, the, pop out the, there. This is perfect plain theology. I love yes. this. <laughs> All the reporters are going to report on it. It's going to be great. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I figured I'd ask, you know, like, you know, we, we have these, these two great pillars of, uh, of our, you know, our personal knowledge and, uh, and faith, right? You know, we have... We have knowledge and faith. We have we have science and faith, right? And yeah. I looked. I I I'm, I was hiccuping the other day, and then my kids started hiccuping. It was this very weird experience. So I looked it up. Science doesn't know. So I just wanted to see if the church had an answer. Science yep. doesn't know what hiccups are, and and apparently uh, there uh, neither does the church, except for you. You have thus declared that it's little demons coming out of your body. Yeah. Uh, so if I hiccup enough, that means I don't have to go to confession, right? <laughs> You get the demons out. The sin might be there, you know. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. This is just so, little little demon guys. They're just popping at you. Yeah, yeah, that makes me feel good. Even when all the demons leave, I'll still find a way to sin. Yeah. <laughs> the bigger demons are obviously come out during burps, but the little ones are hiccups. Oh, yeah. Uh, that makes a lot of sense with my spiritual life. I have a lot of acid reflux, so maybe that there has, you go. has some correlation to my spiritual life. Yep. All right, well, uh, next month when you come back, I'll, I'll ask my other uh, uh, plain theology questions. But, but that's enough for today because we went so long with me complaining. It's like we had like a first segment for me and then a second segment for you, and it was so much fun. <laughs> it was. I think it worked out just fine. <laughs> 
Well, very good. All right. Uh, well, I'm glad your life is going perfectly, and I'm glad my life um, is uh, not. But I'm able to come here and uh, complain with you, and it makes me. It does genuinely make me feel better. So, uh, until next week, I'm Taylor Stroll. That's Father Anthony. He'll be back next month for some more terrible plain theology. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Thank you guys for watching and listening today. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please, again, hit that subscribe button wherever you are watching or listening. Also, if you are um, buying Christmas gifts currently, and, you know, a lot of people are using Amazon, um, as we are a nonprofit, you can be donating to us by using Amazon. It doesn't cost you a dime. You can force Amazon to donate to us as a charity. All you have to do is there's this program called Amazon Smile. And you sign up and uh, you pick your favorite charity. Hopefully you pick Forte Catholic uh, because, I mean, who else is telling you about this, right? Uh, so sign up for Amazon Smile. Put us as your uh, charity of choice. And every purchase that you make, a percentage of that, um, Amazon will donate to us. doesn't cost you a single penny. The link is down in the description for you to sign up today. Thank you in advance. Y'all are the best. We hope that you're enjoying your Advent. And I'll be back very soon. Love you.